It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What episode is this? 220. Episode 220 of The Full Goal Podcast. I'm Jason Golf, and of course, you just heard the voice of the great Jesse Lopez. Tony Gill will not be flying with us tonight, and boy, this is a night that I would have loved to see Tony's reaction to some of the situations that we have percolating here in the city of Chicago. Hopefully, everybody's doing good. I appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Um, let's get right down to it. Huh? How about Northwestern? You feel me? Driving the ball. Got four guys who could all get from the perimeter to the paint. Ty Berry. You, you got the kid Barnheiser. You got Audage. And of course, Boo Booey. Might be the best name in all of college basketball. And if it isn't, uh, I don't care because you're going to bring out some name for some D2 player that you know damn well that I don't watch. But, man, the Northwestern Wildcats and Chris Collins did what they had to do. Played a hell of a tough, physical, disciplined, defensive ball game. But it was fun watching uh, a team not know how to stop straight line drives to the basket. That was interesting. The old Boise State Broncos. And yeah, I know y'all thought I was about to sit here. And hold on, let me turn on my let me turn on my lighting for this because they're gonna need to see this. <laughs> they're gonna need to see this one right here. Just you know, I'm not I'm not used to having the professional lighting, you know, thingamajig over here. So anytime I crack it open, I want to get a chance to to let the light shine on the pod. All right, here. Press on right here. There we go. Yeah, there, there we go. Light. Oh, look That's at this. Bright. Huh? This is exact. <laughs> uh, this is interrogation lighting. You know, I, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen to me and listen good. All right. I know. I know we're in the March madness time and everybody's having a great time filling out their brackets and looking at them and crossing them out. And yeah, I know y'all still do that silly shit. I don't do it anymore because one, I don't know who's playing. And two, I just like watching the games. But I will tell you this, my Lord, 
This basketball is boo boo. This shit stinks. And y'all sit here and let close games fool y'all into being entertained by bad basketball. This shit is atrocious. And it's not even like we're watching like minor league getting ready to be professional players. All those dudes are being born across the pond or are playing for the G League Ignite team. This shit is terrible. I watch Furman. Furman, ladies and gentlemen, and if you shudder or quiver a little bit as, a, as an African-American, you know why you did it, because of the name. I watched Furman, all right, beat the Virginia Cavaliers and do for me what I hope gets done every single season that Virginia is playing basketball, which is take them off my goddamn TV as quickly as possible. Tony Bennett, shout out to you and your style and the professional players that you have cultivated and developed and also all the kids that you have graduated. I'm sure everybody in Wahoo Nation loves you, but that shit is horrible to watch. And then for the end of the game, for the end of the game, for a point guard to be confounded by a trap <laughs> in the backcourt and just slingshot the basketball into the air and it falls in some unsuspecting 17th year senior's hands. He moves it one time and a, a shot is knocked down for the first time in the tournament and it has to be a game winner. Listen, I know why y'all watch and it's okay. You, I will tell y'all why y'all watch. The, the things that you don't want to admit to. You watch because you're degenerate gamblers. Shout out to y'all out there. We appreciate you. I'm sure you heard the disclaimer at the end of the FanDuel ad that I just read. I'm sure you heard that, okay? So we love y'all. <laughs> we definitely love y'all. But you know what else you like watching? Y'all like watching kids be miserable or poor at something because this shit, all it is is waiting to see who's going to cry. That's all this is. Y'all got the quivering chin of some cheerleader on the on on all of these platforms, on all of these social media situations. I'm watching this young lady cry her last collegiate tears. I mean, I can go back to the days of Adam Morrison crumbling at half court and, and everybody being like, oh, the pain. Trust me, I understand. It's an emotional time. It might be the last time you play basketball, all these other things. But I think there's something weird in the viewer who can't wait for that moment, too. You know, and then we go, ah, oh, that's what the tournament's all about. <laughs> is it, though? <laughs> is it for me to watch kids not know how to break a diamond trap and then have their college basketball dreams come to an end? You might as well just hand them a pair of Dockers and a polo and just slide them right into that insurance salesman job they're getting ready to have. Like, man, I know. I know why y'all watch, and I can say it, but y'all can't. You watch because you bet on these things. You watch because you get a buzzy beater every once in a while. But if you sit down and watch, I'd say I saw maybe one or two good games tonight. Maybe one or two. Now, I've seen a lot of really good prospects, a lot of really good young dudes who might be rotational players, you know, very few stars. And the only time I saw a star on the first day of the tournament was a dude who is involved in, or or close enough to provide a lot of discomfort a murder in Brandon Miller like that's that's what I'm watching here I'm watching a story that has all the 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 sadness and all the 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 just the dreck of not only gun culture and society and all the other stuff today but also co the college grime that you just don't want to dabble in and deal with when you got young kids making awful, awful decisions that could change lives. But I'm watching him be the best damn player in the country and feeling funny about it. Like, I'm I'm trying. So, hey, to Boo Booey, Ty Berry, right? Chase, you know, you know, the Hausinger, all them dudes. Hey, keep it up <laughs> because the Northwestern Wildcats are the only thing I got. And speaking of only thing I got, shout out to the Illinois Fighting Illini. Because, man, all season long, I have watched that team and, and you know, spare instances here or there be talented, be athletic, but not be as smart or as tough as you need a basketball team to be. And your man, Coleman Hawkins, got, got his pockets picked at the end of the game, you know, dribbling up the ball, which I think he does a lot of that maybe if, you know, he has, tightens up on his handle, tightens up on his awareness a little bit. I think he's a fine prospect. Don't get me wrong. But, man, Coleman Hawkins let the chopper fly at the end of the game today. 
This is from uh, a young man named Derek Piper, lead basketball reporter for the IlliniInquirer.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. This is what he tweeted out because Coleman Hawkins, after the Arkansas game, said to the assembled media, quote, when there's promises for guys, when there's little things like a freshman point guard coming in and bailing on you when times get tough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, close quote. I had no idea what was going on there. <laughs> and then I go to the quote tweet from one Derek Piper, and it's a young man named Ant Wright, I believe. Yeah, Big Ten NBA draft, college basketball content creator, right? He tweeted out that Scott Clark committed to Louisville five minutes after Illinois lost. <laughs> the dude left the team, and as soon as they lost, he committed to another team. Like, you, there's soap opera shit going on in Champagne that I wish I would have been tuned in for. I wish I would have been. I wish I would have been tapped in for what's happening in Shambana. And the crazy part is, you got a whole bunch of adults, and this is where the college basketball grime enters the situation. You got a whole bunch of adults who are just sitting in the cut now, just sending ridiculous barbs at this young man's way, Sky Clark. Hey, grownups, which is part of the the discomfort I have with college sports because there are seventeen to twenty two year old men and women carrying the dreams and hopes of 35-plus-year-old alumnus and, and all these people who, you know, probably couldn't achieve at, at the same athletic level, talent level, hell, you know, working level as these young kids are getting ready to, you know, embark upon. Man, there's people sending them all kinds of shade, talking about how much of a, a loser he is and how soft he is. Man, this is a, what, a 19, 20-year-old kid. He made a decision to go play somewhere else. Like, and I know, I know there's a lot of, you know, circumstances. There's a lot of specific cases where you can, you know, part and parcel through all the, all the, the things that you would determine to be bad character. I got no problem with that, but Come on, man. These still kids. And you know how I know they're still kids? Because they out here missing all the jump shots and they can't break a trap. <laughs> and they don't know how to open up properly on a screen roll. And they don't understand how to build a wall when you've got dudes making straight line drives from the perimeter to the to the paint. Yeah, that's how I know they're kids. So ease up, college basketball fans. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But damn, this product that y'all watching out here. Like, this... This is a tough go. If it's not a buzzer-beating shot, you have, I sat and watched the team go 6 for 20 in the first half and have a four-point lead. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? What are we talking And for all the people, oh, it's better than a pro game. I know why you feel that way with all that swagger and all those dreads and all that money and all those fancy outfits walking through the tunnel. I know how it makes you feel sitting on the couch at your crib. You know, it makes you feel a little inferior, right? It makes you feel a little, hey, what is, who do these guys think they are? And then you get a chance to watch college basketball where you can berate 19 and 20-year-olds on Twitter after they make a decision that they feel is best for them, right? So I know why you don't like the NBA, but this has to be better than this, man. <laughs> a 14 seed beating the three these days really ain't an upset to me. You know why? Because we're seeing it so often. And it's not because the talent is so spread out. It's because the teaching of the game, like, this is the other thing, too. How much fun are we having watching some of these basketball games? Not, not for the last minute and a half, two minutes. I'm talking about just fun, entertaining styles. Like, I remember what Loyola Marymount used to be, right? Like, I remember with certain teams, oh, they're going to run up and down on you, going to get a, hell, Bill Self, I'm not Bill Self, Roy Williams at Kansas, right? Before he went to North Carolina, I knew dudes was getting ready to run, run up and down, enjoy yourself, have a good time. I knew when I saw Kentucky with the bigs who were shooting threes and the, the point guards and, and smalls who had post skills, I'm like, okay, this is the evolution of the game. I feel like college basketball is just stuck in the rut of, okay, we're going to over-officiate, over-coach. We're not going to change any of the, the real formatic rules of the game, like, for instance, go to quarters because we are still the only game that's still playing halves. And then you got to sit here and watch swing swings into missed jump shots. Like, <laughs> I, I Something needs to give, right? Like the NIL, I hope, and, and it's too early, right? It's too early to really put too much into the data, but I hope 
that these kids get a chance to stay longer. It's going to improve the college game. It might improve the professional game just because you're putting the, the money that they are out here earning. This is a $2 billion investment by CBS and True TV and TNT and all that. So hopefully you throw some money back in that product to keep some of these players at these schools. Next thing you know, I don't know, guys, they'll develop skill-wise and maybe, just maybe, guys will know how to break a trap in the, in the corner of a, a, a what is the man got trapped 92 feet away from his basket, ran into the corner of the backcourt. Like, this is March. This is March. <laughs> At this point, you should know that ain't the case. And, and I talked about it on the last pod, getting ready to, to watch these games. I'm tired of seeing point guards look over in March to see what play they should run by their coach. Yeah, man, <laughs> you got six months in if you're a freshman. Hell, I don't even want to hear about it if you're a sophomore or junior. And I don't think it's the level of basketball acuity that is um, lacking. I just think all the things, all the powers that be, all the forces that is, that, you know, this is a trickle-down effect of the product being what it is. It's just not fun basketball to watch. It's just not good basketball to watch. And when people tell you the truth about it, and they tell you what they like about it more times than not. It's a whole bunch of intangible shit like spirit and the atmosphere and the broken hearts and the song at the end of the season and all that. Man, I, listen, the reason why I enjoyed that, that run, that initial run with Cal in Kentucky, because he said, fuck it. Guess what we're going to do? We're about to get pros and I'm going to get you here. And if you stay more than two years, you are sorry. <laughs> I, I recruited you as a five-star. If you're here more than two years, then damn it, that's on you. Entertain me. Get to the NBA. And you might say to yourself, oh, well, that's why the game is the way it is now. But guess what? I had a damn fun time watching it. I had a fun time knowing that there was a villain that people didn't like. Like, for instance, right now, who's the villain in college basketball besides Brandon Miller? By the way, he's got to walk around with armed guards, armed security. Like, think about where we're at right now. We're still talking about a young adult, right? But who's the, who's the villain right now? Who can you hate? Like, I know I hated Bobby Knight. I know as a kid I hated Duke, right? Like, who can you hate now? Because that hate is necessary. Hell, we here know in Chicago, tell me the more fun time post-Jordan than the era of Derrick Rose juxtaposed to the Miami Heat situation and the collection of that talent. You need a villain. You need somebody to hate. You need a personality. You need somebody to jump up and be like, oh, shit, I didn't know. Like, for instance, the head coach at University of Texas, who's had a phenomenal season, absolutely phenomenal season, coach of the year, right? Did not know the story about his pops and how he wears the, the watch that he gave his pops in every game just to keep him close. You know, he drives his pop's Jeep to the game and, you know, and, and what it would mean to him to know that you know, his son is coaching the University of Texas. Like, that's cool, right? And I love those stories. But who do I hate? Like, who, who do, whose excellence just gets under my skin? And maybe I'm at a different point in my life where, like, if you're excellent, I'm, I'm showing you love because I, I enjoy it. But, man, it's just there's no fabric. There's no fiber. There's no, there's no material, you know? There's nothing you could... I, I won't speak for y'all. There's nothing I can feel when I'm watching college basketball. And if I can't feel anything, and on top of it, I have to watch substandard basketball, man, it's a tough go. It's a tough go. So shout out to the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, they're playing a style of basketball that they have to play and that, that they're good at. And Chris Collins has, you know, after 10 years, you know, he's, he's, he's fulfilling some of the promises uh, that Northwestern fans uh, we're excited about when he first signed on. And Doug Collins being in the stands is cool to see. Like, Northwestern is a school that I grew up not too far from, right? I was right there on uh, on Darrow, right? Right there on Lake and Darrow. And I was maybe 10 minutes at any point in time away from Northwest, 12, 12 15 minutes at any point in time away from Northwestern's campus. And it was always a place that I held in high regard, uh, always a place that I... I thought, man, that's where all the smart people are at. Like, that's where the future leaders of the world are at. And I have no chance in ever being, you know. Uh, did go there for chaos that one year. That was a fun time, you know. Shout out to the Northwestern girls. They were they were cool to hang out with. And, of course, spent many a night at the 24-7 Burger King that has uh, since uh, been shut down. You know, moment of silence. 
shout out to Sherm. Shout out to Sherm. But yeah, man, Northwestern, keep it going for me. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. And now that I've said that, they have gotten the golf kiss of death. Uh, if y'all have been following my bets this entire 220-episode run of this podcast, y'all know that I just maybe canceled Northwestern's chances of going to a Sweet 16. But man, oh man, I need something to latch on to right now. And this college basketball situation, that just the level of play and how homogenized the entire thing is where everything looks the same and there aren't the, the different styles as, as varying I should say, styles that, that I'm, I'm used to watching or uh, look forward to watching when it comes to college basketball. So go Northwestern, Illinois. You, you got some things that you have to get in order. You got, you know, you got, you got players spilling the tea uh, after horrible performances. So we'll see how this thing goes. But uh, I'm dug in uh, as much as I can be in this tournament so far. Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, man, a person who I have enjoyed their work and just their vibrant style of things for a very, very long time, going back to my days in Atlanta and now getting a chance to talk to her on the Full Go Podcast, ESPN's very own L. Duncan. Coming up next. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer. A Spotify original. The great L. Duncan joining us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. This is uh this is a, a treat because you have been caught on this pod in the time where the festival of missed jump shots is going on right now as we are sitting oh. here talking. And there is one story that I'm not surprised, but I'm very fascinated by the way in which CBS and TNT and True TV uh will handle it. And it's the Brandon Miller story. Um, and, and the Alabama story, Clark Kellogg and Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, and when uh, the gang had their their two cents that they put in on it. I mean, Jim Nance, you know, prefaced the game with the actions that took place prior uh, to that uh, unfortunate incident. Um, I've I've sat here this last couple of weeks and watched Brandon Miller, watched the Alabama Crimson Tide, and there, there's something in me that is like, all right, I wanna. I want to see this thing play out, but I also feel a little guilty. I feel a little complicit in terms of, you know, what what has the young man learned? You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the dude who's out here throwing behind bars and all this other stuff. I mean, the, the legality of this thing has kind of been part and parcel. But how do you feel as a person who on a national stage is set to talk about these things and also have personal feelings, whichever way they may be? Like, how do you... How do you decipher what's the right message to get out there, but also be yourself? It's really hard. I feel super cringy. I do. I feel, I mean, I feel, it feels so cringy. Because listen, on the one hand, you know, I would like to believe that Alabama is privy to more information than we are. And Alabama has been so full-throated in their, in their support. You know, they immediately put Brandon Miller back out there. Um, they have sort of like very much carried the water for him. And I'd like to believe that's because when the legalities work themselves out, we'll discover that maybe he really was just a victim of circumstance, right? And like maybe he, mm-hmm. but alternatively, Jason, all we know right now is that he was associated with a murder. <laughs> and it's like, and that another Alabama player absolutely was, right? Like not their star, but Darius Miles was on that team too. And is being charged, right, with accessory to murder. So I think that it's just, in in general, it's a really tough position to be in for everybody. You're Alabama. Of course, the most important thing for you is unprecedented success. They are seeing unprecedented levels of success for their program. They've got the number one prospect in the NBA draft. Like, this should be your march to remember. (laughs) And it's not, right? And so I understand why you want to say, like, let's try to move on. This kid, whatever. It's about basketball. Let's turn the page towards that. Alternatively, it's okay to feel yucky about the fact that a woman died over something 
so benign and arbitrary. It sounds like it started because of some dancing in front of a car. It's sad. It's pathetic. And it's difficult. Like just the other day at the SEC tournament, I was doing an Alabama highlight live and I was doing some, you know, some sort of stat finding. And there was a stat about in that particular game, Brandon Miller had done something that like no one in the SEC tournament had done. And and I really found myself going, but do I want to like keep praise on this dude or do, right. I, do I just want to keep it to the, here's the box score, here's the stat line. And again, is that unfair to Brandon Miller if he didn't have anything to do with this and he truly is just sort of a victim of certain Sure. But I, just, I don't have the, the answer, Jason. I think in general, it feels really cringy, which is why in many ways it would have been easier for Alabama, at least for the public and for those of us that have to cover it to just say, he didn't do anything wrong and he's not going to be charged but at the same time because of the distraction that it caused we're going to eat this tournament and we're not going to play Brandon anymore so, so that it's not as distracting. Because the other thing that's creepy and cringy to me, Jason, is the people who are weaponizing it in the stands and yeah. chanting lock them up. And like yeah. someone died. Have some respect. Yeah. That's not curtain of distraction territory. Right. You know, talking about him going to prison or being a part, you know, it just, it's the whole thing feels horrible. And so honestly, this March Madness just has such a cloud over it because the team that's streaking towards a final four in a national championship just has such a stain on it. Yeah. And it has such a cloud on it because, um, you know, and it, I don't want to do the, the back in my day thing, but like just, just what a, a decade ago, we were introduced to characters and introduced to stories, right. You know, wait to see Steph Curry get on that stage for Davidson and, you know, Jimmy Fredette at BYU and guys who we knew were going to be, you know, the, the, the it, Right. But we were just waiting for them to get through this. Uh, first thing I ever covered, uh, well, first major thing I ever covered was Carmelo Anthony's run in New Orleans. And you had, you know, Dwayne Wade on one team, TJ Ford on the other team. You had a Kansas team that was crazy, but you had that dude yep. on a one year mission. And mm-hmm. the NBA was like, by the way, we're going to draft LeBron first. We don't care what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, 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 but it, like the characters and the, the stories and yeah. all the stuff. It, it, has it dissipated? And if that's the case, then why? Am I, I know I'm getting old, so that's not the answer to the question, but it, like, what's happening in terms of college basketball and this time and the, the stories and the, 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 the soap operas that we followed and we're waiting for these moments, the Big East tournament and the ACC tournament, how, how important it was to me as a young adult and as a kid. And now it's just, I don't know if it's NIL. I don't know if it's just what COVID did to me as a sports fan, where it's like, okay, let's push these kids back out onto this field and onto these playing surfaces as quick as possible to make this money. I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to get back into it and trying to figure it out. And I just, I, I'm, I'm a fish looking for a hook and I yeah. just can't find it for some reason. You know what I think it is? I've actually had this conversation a lot with people lately, legit. And I just talked to Bamani about this too. I, I think that the downside to accessibility is that there is an oversaturation a little bit, right? So like 100%. before, right? Like before March Madness was amazing because it was like, what other opportunities do you have to consume this much basketball or this much of a sport in the middle of the day? You're le- it was like, it's very much, it was a cultural thing, right? You're sneaking away from work or you're doing these things. And like, this is your chance. It's just 24 hour basketball. You know, you wake up 11 a.m. until midnight. You got basketball all day. You've got these storylines. You're seeing some of these dudes for the very first time and you're learning about the Furmans of the world or the UMBCs and you're seeing them. I think that now, Jason, we just have so much access between all the streaming networks, between the idea that like I can tap in to a cricket channel in Australia right now and watch (laughs) something happening there. Like I can consume sports all day, any day that I want. I can watch upsets all the time on ESPN, on you know, ESPN platforms, on all of the platforms, on yeah. TNT. On ter- and I just think that in general, when you have so much access to things, it just a little bit softens the edge of what made it so enticing to begin with. So it's a positive thing, right? I'm sure there's Furman fans that love that they can like get their own dedicated channel on ESPN+. Plus. Right. Of course, I'm using Furman a bunch because... Virginia. Can I just yeah. say that? They saved us. Here, I, 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 t- I wanted to tweet it out. They saved us. They saved us from having that watch that shit. Another tournament. <laughs> I don't want to watch. Like, do you know what I think about when I fill out my bracket? I think of the great J. Cole saying, don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Every year, I'm like, this is the year, Virginia. Apart from the national championship year in 2019, but you'll remember the year before they lost to UMBC, yep, they win yep. the Natty the next year. The next year they're bounced in the first round. The next year 
they're bouncing the first round. They don't make the tournament last year. Another bounce again. I just don't, I don't understand why we keep trying to make Virginia a thing. And by we, I mean me. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. I fill it out and I feel stupid every time and I keep trying to <laughs> save this girl. But you can turn up into a housewife. She don't want to be on, saved. Right? She's and they slow. are March Madness. You know what? She's and slow. She, she can't cook. She can't read. Um, she 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 looking at your partners behind your back. I don't want to watch Virginia play basketball ever, and I'm glad basketball comes out and says we don't either. And shout <laughs> out to shout out to Tony Bennett and every child and every young man and every young woman who was a part of that organization and loves that that university. But I'm I'm here to be entertained, and that shit is not entertaining. When they won the championship, it wasn't entertaining. Shout out to DeAndre Hunter, right, and all those other dudes. But I am not here for it, man. You know. Tony mentioned it, and and I want to go back to it because we are so happy to have him because you and I were in Atlanta for the same time for two years. Uh, I was in Atlanta from 2012 to 2014, and that was when 92.9 Game popped up, and I was doing the night show, and I was casted as one of the others, having a good time going at it with Atlantans and and Georgia fans alike, and you were doing your thing in in the city as well, and the, the stadium ops and and everybody knew who L. Duncan was, right? And now it's to the grand stage of the national side of things. And I love, you know, Take That L. I love that segment every single time I get a chance to see it. I, I love the work that you do and also on the platforms that you jump on, like Bomani and everybody else, you know, shout out to Carrie and Jamel Hill and everybody. But if you were to explain, and I tried to do this, and I've been trying to do this for like damn near a decade now since I've been there. If you were to explain Atlanta, to an outsider like myself coming in there in 2012 because L, I I touched down in Atlanta, didn't have a car, had only been there one time before and that was to go visit one of my, you know, my my buddy's buddies who was dealing dope. We went on the Greyhound just to hang out for a weekend and it was wild as hell, right? Like Atlanta to me was Oh, if you were on the Greyhound, Jake, it dropped you off probably right downtown by Magic City. I know why you chose the Greyhound. It's literally, you guys, to explain Atlanta in short, shout out the to bus station, okay, completes a triangle that also includes Magic City, which of course is the strip club that Lou Williams got caught up at. And then on the other corner is the jail. So there is jail, strip club, Greyhound bus. They come together to make a time warp of just fuckery. Like it's just straight fuckery. That's what that is. And that's where you land. Yeah. That- it was the, it was the vector, right? And and I messed around. And, <laughs> I messed around. And found out. Oh my God. I, I touched down in Atlanta. Shout out to 1925 West Monroe Drive. Thought I found myself a little apartment. You know, next thing you know, I'm in the corridor. You were on Monroe? Yes. I was around the corner from Kamal's and and Onyx and everything. Yeah. I was right there across the street. I was right there on Monroe. Look at that. Yeah. It was the first time that I had been, you know, catcalled by a a gentleman in a, in a, in a, a, yeah. I I went to that LA fitness over there, heard a couple whistles. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. I'm not used to this, but thank you, sir. I appreciate you. There was a joke among some of the Hawks players that they would have. So uh, for those, and I don't even know if it's still there. I mean, it's been some years since I lived there, but there's a bar right in downtown Atlanta, right on premium real estate on Peachtree Street, and it's called Bulldogs. Now, of course, the Georgia Bulldogs are a whole entire thing, but Bulldogs, the bar, is a gay gentleman's establishment. And Mm -hmm. so Hawks players would joke about the fact that they would like tell their homies are visiting friends that were coming in town. Like, yeah, you know, if you're looking for a place to just get a beer, like watch the game. There's a great sports bar called Bulldogs. Just to sort of wait for the text that was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> it's the best. This, this happened best. to me. You know, if your this body's right as a man, if you're looking good, if you're dressing right, <laughs> by just walking through Lennox Mall based on how many men hit on you. And if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right, then they will let you know at Lennox Mall. Yeah, and I was appreciative. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kept the, I kept I the movement. But this yeah. is the other thing that I found very interesting. Um, how fiercely protective Atlantans are of Atlanta when it comes to outsiders. And I appreciate it. And I rocked with it. And, you know, I got into a little trouble at the station because the program director who, you know, whatever, at the time I was like, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we had a, yeah. we had a we had issues in terms of integrity, um, mm-hmm. but <laughs> but uh, he, he he tried to do the whole you got to say we, you got to say our Falcons and our Hawks and this that and the other. I'm like, wait a minute, 
I just landed here. Like these people are going to know I'm full of shit. If I tell them after 16 years of doing Chicago radio, all of a sudden, this is my favorite team. And I went against that and they respected it and they appreciated it. I've always tried to explain Atlanta to people who, um, for sports fans who just look at Atlanta like, oh, it's a shit pro sports town. Nobody really goes to the games. And I'm like, nah, man, there is a section of Atlantans and a section of Atlanta fans that I think are underrepresented in terms of they get as is is um as wild as any other fan base as well, but they live in an event town where if your product ain't what it's supposed to be, I ain't gotta go. And it was the first time that I experienced that. And then I brought it back to Chicago, like, hey, you know you ain't gotta deal with this bullshit losing all the time, right? You know you can go <laughs> You know outside. you can like choose another way. <laughs> that, you know what? That's exactly it. what did we just talk about with why it sort of feels like the tournament and stuff can be a little bit watered down, right? Because of how many other options there are. And that's Atlanta. Like, first of all, traffic is a nightmare. And when I tell you whatever city you think you're from, even LA, even my folks from Los Angeles, Atlanta traffic rates amongst some of the worst in the world, okay? So you're talking about fighting hours of traffic to come downtown to watch a game where maybe they're winning 14 or, you know, you're talking about when I first started with the Hawks, they were winning 13 games a season. Yeah. Like, who's doing that when you have so many other options? Atlanta is the entertainment capital of the South. Like, there are so many other things that you could be doing. And so I think the other issue is that Atlanta is largely a transplant city. Most of right. the people are not from there. They move there. They come with their adopted teams and whatnot. That's why in the South in general, college always is always going to be more important than pro sports. Like, you can talk about all you want about the casual Atlanta fan. Please don't come at me when it comes to actual Georgia sports fans, right? Yeah, because yeah. Bulldog fans, they ain't nothing to play with, right? Like that's generational. You're talking about football in the South. It doesn't get more important or substantial to the people than that. But yes, I mean, we've also been talking about unprecedented levels of heartache. <laughs> like the last couple of years have really whitewashed what was generations of trauma as Atlanta sport. My husband a few different times who was also from Atlanta before they started winning these championships would just look at me and be like, General Sherman is not done burning this bitch to the ground. Like he swore General <laughs> Sherman was cursing the sports team to punish us still for slavery. That's where his mind went because it had been that many years. Think about all the horrible things that have happened to Atlanta sports fans. So to just act like, you know, because you're in Cleveland and like you've been long suffering, what do you want to cook? You want a badge? Like that's like, like I'm a proud Buffalo Bills fan who's been watching my team like bit the bit for 40 years in Atlanta. They're like, no, we don't got to do that. Like I'm not about to support that. I'm going to holler at y'all when there's something to holler at and something to support. And in the meantime, I'll be at these million lounges or restaurants or, you know, other things that are here, concerts or whatever else is in yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the general. Well, I guess not funny, but the General Sherman curse thing is is uh, something I got uh, introduced to right when I landed. Uh, I had to do a, an appearance at a dealership, and it was in Stone Mountain, <laughs> and and there was a custodial gentleman who. Uh, you know, was like, "Oh yeah, you the new sports dude? Huh? Good to see brothers on the air." I'm like, "Yeah, man, yeah, man." And the brother walks away after saying this to me very quietly. He goes. Look up there. You can still hear the screams. And walked away. And I was like, I was like, I was like, fam, this is my first week here. Like, who's screaming? Should we go save them? Um, what what is Stone Mountain notorious for? Like, can you, you know, all I knew about Stone Mountain was Ric Flair. So, so oh, can yeah. you can you can you put me down with where I don't need to be? But you know, yeah, the General Sherman thing is uh yeah, was, was part definitely of, a part of one of the that. fun things if you're ever looking for something really fun to do as a black person in Atlanta <laughs> that's a little off the It beat sounds like an Instagram account, by the way. Right, right. <laughs> Go out to Stone Mountain, and I don't know that they still do it. I feel like maybe we've had a reckoning over the last few years and they stopped. But it used to be a personal fun favorite thing to go to the laser light show at Stone Mountain and wait for the portion of the program where it's just all about General Lee and the Confederacy and praising them and they show the Confederate flag and laser lights and it's a whole, yeah, that's always fun looking around and seeing, you know, some of the pride on some people's face and then of course the abject shock and horror on others. You're like, welcome to Georgia, boo-boo. Because there it yeah, is. we know there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia. So, and Stone Mountain, while being very black is still very much Georgia. <laughs> All right. Let's take it to the Georgia Bulldogs. Jalen Carter, 
didn't get, complete his drills, showed up nine pounds heavier. There's a lot going on with this young man. And I am of the belief that there have been too many star talents that have been passed on because of people's uh, want or leaning to have some kind of connection morally to people. Now, now as more information comes out about Jalen Carter and everything that happened, not only that night, but some of the stuff that was put out there by experts saying that, you know, there might be some red flags here. Uh, how, how would you deal with this situation if you were a GM or a coach or a fan of the Chicago Bears who are looking to make upgrades and they've traded down to the ninth pick and the guy who's probably rated number one and number two in a lot of people's draft boards is falling like a rock. Um, how, do, how do you think people, or how would you, I should say, not people, but how would you go about this situation as a fan or maybe an architect of an organization? This is hard. I'm trying to have some compassion for Jalen because first mm-hmm. of all, let's make it plain here. No matter what Jalen did, short of Jalen being behind the wheel of that car that drove off the road and into a tree and a house, he is not responsible for the death of anyone. So let's get that out of the way. The people responsible are the young lady that was driving, and it is an unfortunate, horrible mistake she made, but she's the one that is responsible for the decisions that she made. She did not have to race him if that's what they were allegedly doing, right? This right. is all alleged. Right. And so the I information feel that we have. Yeah. This is the information that we have. I feel for the kid simply because he made a huge mistake. Clearly you should not be racing. None of those things should be happening. He didn't do it with the intention of his watching his teammate die, right? Like this is a horrible situation that is happening. He's now being very much blamed publicly while also undergoing the scrutiny of trying to join the NFL and what comes with that. Um, And the trauma of losing people. (laughs) You lose your teammate, right? Like there is a lot, there is a lot of trauma in this kid's life right now and it's all happening at once so this isn't quite a jamarcus russell situation where we're like oh this kid's lazy and he's putting on weight or whatever i i got no joy in watching that kid not be able to finish his drills i mean this is it was really tough to see that it was tough to see how heavy he had gotten in the course of 10 days like it was just I, i don't think anybody should feel good about this at all it doesn't feel good it feels bad in general right especially because people have lost their life um I've been, you know, sort of reaching out to people for for the last year about Jalen and these sort of claims that he's got character issues and whatnot. And listen, no one is is describing him as the opposite of that. I think that sort of the feedback that I've been getting from the people within George's organization are that it takes all kinds to make a football team. Right. And like, certainly we all understand that. And that maybe he's the kind of guy that you want that's got a little bit of a niche. Right. Like no one said he's a bad character dude. It was more. He's got a little bit of an edge. He's a, you know, he's a tougher cookie to break. Um, Not that you're trying to break them, but you get what I'm saying, that he's got a little bit more opinions than maybe some young people in those positions do, right? And that's okay because he's so incredibly talented. And most importantly, he wants to win, right? Like he wants to win and he wants to be good. And that's important as well. Um, I think it's, it's difficult, right? To say, like, what's the judgment here? Because again, one of two things is either happening. Either he's not handling what's happening to him very well, which is a red flag, or he's just sort of given up on the process or at the very least thinks that he's done enough or shown enough that he should still be deserving of a top 10 pick. And that's a problem too. <laughs> and so I could understand, like to me personally, just, and I say just, and I, it feels horrible to say because again, people lost their lives, but just the sort of legal issue of this to me was not a non-starter. The idea, though, that he's obviously going through something enough that he would display that at his pro day was really tough to watch. And if I'm the Bears, I'm not sure that I'm pulling the trigger when you want to get these things right, right? If you're the Bears, you're hoping you're not making another top 10 pick for a while. The Bears have done so well so far in free agency. I would just hate to see them waste a top 10 pick for someone that they still have a ton of questions about and not a whole lot of time to investigate. Yeah, I think the moves that they made after an organization said that they didn't, well, that put out that they didn't value the linebacker position at the number that Roquan Smith was asking for. All you hear about with Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, aside from their athletic exploits, are the team guys that they are. And how, you know, you got a 24-year-old captain who's only had five years in the league for a team that's contending like the Buffalo Bills, right? And maybe trying to insulate that room and that side of the football with some dudes who can provide guardrails maybe for a, a guy, a young guy who, you know, is coming into the league, coming into a lot of money 
maybe laid that blueprint, that roadmap out for them. I, and that's the thing, too. I'm never wishing these kids bad. I'm sure. never wishing these dudes. And, and some of these responses and some of these reactions, you hear this one disdain for your personal life, right? And and anger as a fan and all the other stuff that gets tied into you know, our connection extremely to sports. But I also like the John Morant situation. You know, for everybody who's, you know, throwing all the dirt on John, John did some stupid shit. And John's paying for some stupid shit. Now, I will say this. I, I think 10 days is a little little quick to to jump out because I, I thought Jalen went down and did the uh, interview with him at the counseling uh, uh, No, that was like a two-day counseling, hit it and quit it counseling. Man, we call this Therapy Thursdays on this pod because this is the day I'm in therapy and this is the day y'all gonna get the sappy, you know, introspective yeah. me, right? I've been in therapy now for two and a half years and I still haven't uncovered half the stuff that I need. So for eight, nine days for it to happen and then to come out and sound like you've been um, coached on the right things to say, um, saying that it's something that you don't promote or don't condone when all the tweets out there talking about sending hollows to people and all that. I don't wish bad on any of these young dudes. I just hope that it gets straightened out before we see the crash out. Because let's face it, there's a large segment of the fan bases of a lot of these teams and a lot of these leagues that enjoy the crash out and enjoy the I told you so while they go back to whatever lives they were living. Yeah, they want they want confirmation to feel like, you know, whatever stereotypes they believe are true, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's John. He's young and he's black and he's in Memphis. And so, of course, he's going to be up the streets and he's going to, I, you know, I when I, when I listened to that interview and again, like I, I wouldn't expect John to say anything else. Right. I'm, I imagine he had a PR team there. I imagine he had to be very calculated with the things that he said, what I'm hoping that he's doing and that the work that he's doing, I'm hoping he's continuing therapy. Um, because I think everyone should be in therapy. Like 100%. you know, this idea that like something traumatic needs to happen to you, or let me ask you this, you work out, right? You eat mm-hmm. healthy. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be because, oh, you realized you gained a few pounds and now you want to fit it. It doesn't always have to be goal oriented. Just like therapy doesn't always have to be targeted because of something that happened to you. You know, you have to, in the same way that you work your muscles in your body, work your brain. You know, it is a muscle. And there are times where you have to hit therapy harder than others. I have been going to therapy since I was 16 years old for various things. And I have taken anywhere from three to four year gaps in between to five year gaps to I have to go every week for two years straight. It really just depends on where I'm at. And I focus my therapy in those ways. But I'm hoping that what Ja is 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 figuring out, he kept saying the same thing, Jason. If you heard that interview with Jalen, the extended interview, he just kept saying like, every time we'd ask him about a different incident, he would either go to the, I got a call. I got a call. I, felt, and I, just... I got a call and I felt for their safety. Okay. But then he kept saying like with the gun and with some of the other behaviors that he's exhibited, like I just felt free or I wanted to feel free. And I'm like, free from what, right? Like, what is it that you are feeling hamstrung by? Is it the fame? Is it the money? Is it the people undoubtedly who now you support? Like, what is it that you are feeling like the only thing that's going to allow you some sense of freedom is waving a gun? Because what I hear in my junk psychology is (laughs) self-sabotage. And if you're self-sabotaging, then that is a very deep-rooted issue you sometimes people don't even know they're self-sabotaging and they are just instinctively doing it because they want freedom from whatever it is, whatever pressure it is that they're feeling. So, you know, none of us know, none of us know what it is to be 23, 24 years old, multimillionaire, a face of an NBA franchise, to be that good, to have that many people, to have by design been where you are. It was him and his dad's plan for Jaw to be exactly who Jaw is. You know, he's undersized, chip on the shoulder mentality, like all of those things coming to a head. I will never understand what it's like to be job, but I do understand what it's like to be in crisis. And it feels like he's a young man in crisis who I'm hoping is getting continued and sustained therapy, just like I wish for all of the men in his position who need it because we all need it. Yeah. I And I implore all of my friends, you know, black, white and every other ethnicity, race, creed, color, whatever the case may be. Um, go talk to somebody, all right? Even if you need a space where you, you don't want to be judged and you don't, you know, you, you the therapist can handle no, you know, not yeah. a lot of people around you can handle no. So, yeah. and can I add this too, Jason? Yeah. I get this a lot when I encourage people to go to therapy. Well, I tried it and like, da da da. Let me ask you this if you go on one bad date, do you swear off dating? Of course, you, <laughs> you move on or you jump back right. on Tinder or whatever, right. you know, ratchet shit you're up to that day. 
if you try on a therapist for size and it's not a fit, that's okay. Like your therapist is also an important relationship and one that does require a little bit of like massaging and chemistry and all those things that you would use to choose a friend or a significant other, you should also use those same instincts to find a good therapist. So just because you're with one that didn't resonate with you or didn't make you feel anything or wasn't thought provoking, that doesn't mean they don't exist. You try it again. You jump on another, right? Like if you have a bad meal, you'll swore off food. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> right. Like so, so, so get that out of your mind that like there is no perfect therapist, but that are great fits. And it is important enough to invest the time to find the right fit for you. Yeah. No. Wow. L. Duncan, ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I want to go do another session right now. Where Dr. Wilson's number at? Let me, <laughs> let me, let me jump off this Zoom. Can I join? Been, yeah, yeah. Hey, come <laughs> Why on. Why is that a town? No, come on through. You know, Dr. Wilson, I'm sure. I, I told her today, I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to be uh, talking about you. And I was just joking, but we ended up talking about it. So I'm sure she'll be happy about that. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this pod and you're kind of questioning whether you should be talking to somebody, don't question it anymore. Just go ahead and do that. You know, there's a lot of price points out there for you to find. But hey, that's PSA yeah. for another day. L. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for having you. me, Jason. You know I'm a fan, you. and so I'm so pumped that I got a chance to come and chat with you, and please have me anytime. Maybe oh, next listen. year, when Virginia blows it again. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Take that, oh. Virginia. <laughs> L. Duncan right here on the Full Go Podcast. I truly appreciate you. Bye, Jason. Time for some commercials. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything. So you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the Men's Warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the Men's Warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the Men's Warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bulls Talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. So we got the news that we knew we were going to get. Let's face it, y'all. Uh, Sham Sharania tweeted out at around 3.15 on Thursday that Chicago Bulls guard Lonzo Ball will undergo a third surgery on his left knee that is expected to cost him most, if not all, of the 2023-2024 season, sources tell the Athletic and Stadium. Shout out to Shams. Um, This is horrible. And when you get the news, that means the finality has probably set in for the participants. Um, You know, I'm not going to do the the normal, you know, just some bulls snake bitten again or... Because there were a lot of people out there that were showing their ass, talking about Lonzo, like, being soft and, you know, him jaking it. And, you know, the fact that maybe maybe the rise of Ayo DeSumo had him feeling, nah, 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 nah. This, this dude is a basketball player and a professional. Um, so to be in a situation where your career is in jeopardy, um, it sucks. It sucks. And on the basketball side of things, he was just, he was a joy to watch for the half a year that we got him. Like, this has now been a process where I have seen the Bulls more without Lonzo Ball than with him. And getting that slight little glimpse, that little 45-game sample of what the intentions for this team were and how reliant. Like, at the moment, I had no clue how reliant they would be upon him. I knew he was a terrific defender. I knew he was a culture changer in terms of moving the basketball and pushing it up ahead and getting you running. And I thought that that was was what was necessary for a guy like Zach, right? It was the reason why I wanted the Bulls to draft Tyrese Halliburton in the first round uh, of the draft when they took Patrick Williams at number four because 
I thought putting the guy next to Zach who could take Zach off the ball and allow Zach to run and jump and now catch and shoot like we've seen him develop into. Uh, he's one of the star catch and shoot players in the game. You look at his numbers, period. I don't care how you feel about Zach Levine. I don't care the 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 uh, misgivings in his game, the inadequacies and in decision-making and defense and all the other shit that you want to poke holes through, which are some valid, valid points. Catch and shoot-wise, that dude has become that dude. And Lonzo Ball did a terrific job of taking the ball out of his hands and making sure the defense wasn't always keyed in on him or DeMar DeRozan, and also being a great catch-and-shoot player on his, in his own right um, and, and being just a dude, right? Yeah, a guy with Lonzo Ball's cachet and stature from the time we heard of him in Chino Hills, right? The time we, we got introduced to him via, you know, overtime and house of highlights and all that. Like, this man has been a professional player for a long time. It's just on the high school and collegiate level, but the way that he's prepared, I mean, the way that he reworked his jump shot, the way that he found truth and criticism, the way that you hope most professionals in hell, people for that, that matter, you hope they find some truth in the criticism that they are receiving after they're finished defending themselves. This dude never truly defended himself. He went out and remade his entire shot and became pretty proficient at it. So the dude's been a professional his entire basketball career in existence that we've known of him. So for in this moment, for a guy like that to receive that kind of news, I can't imagine what he's going through. I can't imagine. And um, if you've ever had, you know, your livelihood or your future and what you thought in that moment snatched from you or you thought it was in the, uh, the, the depths of despair, well, shit, you know what he might be going through mentally because... He is, and his identity has been not just a father, not just a husband, but a terrific basketball player. And that's been since he was yay high, right? Like, and I'm, I'm my hand is very low to the ground right now. So the news sucks. Um, organizationally, they're going to have to figure out at what point um, does this, and, and I'm just speculating here, and I'm not a doctor, nor am I a uh financial NBA financial cap guru or anything of that nature. But um, at what point will the deal become too cumbersome for them to write out? We know he has a player option uh, in 2024-25, which you know he's going to opt into. So, you know, if this is a career-threatening situation, he's having a cartilage um, transplant. That's, I mean, (laughs) like all the things that have been done to that knee in the last 18 months and doctors saying they haven't seen cases like this very often. I hope that the young man gets back on the court and is better than ever, but this is not the news. Uh, forget Bulls fans and forget the Bulls. This is not the news that the Ball family, Alonzo, I'm sure, uh, wanted to have people here because I'm sure he's been aware of him not himself be, not being right. Hell, he's, he's with himself every single day, right? And that's, I think, what we also got to be aware of, too, is, you know, millions and millions of dollars can only do so much. Yeah, and they, uh, don't get me wrong. Now. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to find out what they can do. But but when you're talking about something you love and, and a thing that a lot of these guys say that they would do for free, um, you know, it's uh, having your love taken from you or the threat of it taken from you. Um, you know, for anybody who's had a, gotten a settlement or anything like that or, you know, just came into some money and then had a major loss, you know, all that money is cool, but... Uh, at the same time, um, you're still human. So hopefully he gets better, but this does not look good. Uh, and this does not feel good, I'm sure. And uh, a Bulls organization that over the last three years or so trying to figure out what the outlier was, maybe, just maybe, not maybe, for sure, for sure, it was the health of Lonzo Ball and how it transformed this team and this city, to be honest with you. Because when the Bulls are good, this city is, it's got a different energy. There's a, there's a portion and sector of the city that is awakened in a way that um, that I enjoy, to be honest with you. So hopefully Lonzo gets better soon, but uh, not good news. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 220 of the Full Goal podcast with Jason Goff. want to thank our guest, oh, the absolutely fabulous L. Duncan. You can catch her on SportsCenter. You can catch her on a a list of ESPN shows. And also, I'm looking forward to whenever that podcast drops. Uh, She is is a star. 
No doubt about it. So thank you to Elle. Want to thank uh, Allison the Bounty Hunter, as always, for snatching up all of our guests for us. Want to thank our production staff, ah, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the act of Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. Hope all is well, my man. Uh, for all of y'all out there, if you want to drop us a line on the Full Go voicemail line, it's always open for you. Any of your thoughts or questions, concerns, are welcome. Suggestion box if you want to throw it in there as well. 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Uh, I want to thank you for downloading this thing. I want to thank you for subscribing to this thing. I want to thank you for sharing it with your family and friends, rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs or else we're going to catch you in the streets. We appreciate you so much. And as always, uh, we'll catch you on Sunday. But until then, take care and be safe.